Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before I get started, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to this episode. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. So write it down unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. You're, uh, we're always sharing best practices. We'll notify you of our no, uh, newest podcast when it becomes available. And while these are free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. So if you're at least bit familiar with what I've been teaching financial advisors over the last 30 years, you know that I'm a proponent of focusing on a well-defined and profitable target market. Focusing on a target market enhances just about every other aspect of your client acquisition efforts. You bring more perceived and more real value. You're able to build a reputation that will draw people to you, where they come to you with their hand raised saying, I've heard good things about you. You're highly recommended. I know you work with people like me. Right? And if you pick the right market, you'll find more enjoyment and passion in your work as well. So for my guest for today's interview has experienced all these benefits and more by focusing just about all his marketing efforts solely on big tech. This includes a company with a rather strange name. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called Google. By the way, as I was preparing for this interview, I discovered something interesting. I wanted to see if Google was actually a real word or just a company name. Well, you might be interested to know that Google is not a real word, but it was derived from a real word. The word is Google or G-O-O-G-O-L. Google is a number. It's a number that is equal to one followed by 100 zeros. That's a lot of zeros. That's more zeros than any of us have as assets under management, I think it's safe to say. It's written as 10 to the 100th power, Google. Anyway, my guest for today's podcast is Don Hilario, CFP, based in Irvine, California. As you'll soon learn, Don has done a very nice job establishing himself and his practice as the tech-friendly advisor that Googlers, yes, they call themselves Googlers, uh, can count on here in the United States. So Don is a native New Yorker with a BA in philosophy. You've probably noticed that I have a BA in BS, but that's another story. Uh, in his website bio, Don includes the Latin phrase, I, don't know, I hope I say it right, uh, cogito ergo sum, or I think therefore I am. Don, welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast. Did I say that Latin phrase right? And why is it on your LinkedIn profile? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm super humbled. I might butcher that Cuchito Ergo some too. I, I, I know the English pronunciation way better. And it, uh, to your point, it stands for, I think, therefore I am. And I picked that up from philosophy. And for me, it's a constant reminder that what I do is to help my niche clients think about their solve uh, think about their problems mm -hmm. so that we can solve them by thinking about it differently through a orderly systems and processes and and I'll be happy to get to that 
Yeah, and we will. And philosophy major now in financial services. I mean, I've seen it all, I think. Uh, so <laughs> how did you start working with Googlers? You know, what, what attracted you to them? What, what, how did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so I, I call my first Googler, quote unquote, Agent Zero. That's, mm. that's my pseudonym for, right. for the first Googler I've worked with and, and still do. Um, that relationship originated from a phone call with my COI, a tax advisor. And I just remember um, feeling really exhilarated after the call. I didn't, I didn't know anything other than you know, the conversation went something like this. Uh, Don, I have a high-level software engineer from Google. Can you help? And, and as soon as I heard that, I was, I was all in, Bill. I was uh, 28 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. I think the average age back then for, uh, for a seasoned FA was 49. Google was four years old. And you know the likes of Intel and Microsoft, they were well-established by then. So to me, Google was everything big tech. It was young, fun, disruptive, purposeful. And I felt aligned with that. Mm. My gut feeling was validated when I met more people, more Googlers per se, just like me. So it, you just felt an affinity. It just seemed uh, it was there waiting to be discovered. And when you discovered it was like, ah, oh, I'm kind of a feeling I'm home. These are the folks I was meant to serve, I guess. Eh? Yeah, that, that really resonated with me. I felt aligned because as I just met more people, more Googlers, I just felt that we shared the same narrative. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way, you know, just my clients are my clients and I are are, are young. We have uh, the time and our energy as our most precious assets, and we choose to use that to our advantage. Um, what I what I mean by that is our our plans, the the plans that I provide big tech, my Googlers. It's about investing confidently for the long run, but while we're present at the moment. I think when I I, I look at my niche and the people I serve, ultimately, we want to be in a position where we work, we live, and we can retire with confidence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think about that narrative a lot, Bill, and you know, on, on, on paper, it means things like maybe we don't have a mortgage when we retire, when we, maybe we want to build a, a, a war chest, you know, things like that. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think about that narrative a lot, Bill, and as, as an advisor, I ask myself, and then there's, there's my philosophy degree, right? I'm asking myself, <laughs> how can I create and present a, a thorough response through the lens of financial planning? You know, how, do I, how do I speak to that? So that if, if, if I were in my own client's shoes, I would want to be immediately engaged so that the onus uh, of making that engagement absolutely memorable is on me as their financial advocate, not, not just their advisor, but their advocate so that together we can champion that cause. And that's how I narrow my focus, Bill. That's, that's really the work that I love. And it's, it's, it's tons of fun. It, it really is. I'm curious about something. Uh, it's, so it's a little bit younger clientele than maybe perhaps a lot of the folks listening to this uh, podcast have. Uh, and, but you mentioned retirement. Now, uh, a lot of the younger folks, if you will, don't always think about retirement. It's not on their mind. Uh, they're not ready to even think or plan for it. Have you found that's different with Google folks, or is it, you know, a little bit of both? Some some don't think about it yet, but you help them think about it. Some already have it on their mind, and they want to make sure. 
maybe they don't even think they'll ever retire. I, I don't know. What Talk to me about that with kind of this younger demographic. Yeah, Bill. Um, so when I first started, before I committed to my niche, the, the, the bulk of my practice were, were retirees. So that, that conversation about retirement was more you know, um, laid out. You know, it was, you know, the, the, the math made more sense. You know, you followed, you know, best practices regarding distribution rules. So in comparison, when I look at big tech or, or Google, I'll, I'll put it this way. The, um, the average age of, of my niche, let's say, is, is just shy of 40, 38, 39, maybe. Okay. So for me to say, hey, yeah, you keep, you know, maximizing your 401k, your IRA and so forth. By the time you're 62, which is the earliest, you're collecting social security. You should have this much and much, you know, based on your, you know, savings efforts. Admittedly, that narrative to me and my niche, uh, you know, we're we're both like a deer in headlights because I'm not, I, I'm personally not thinking that far down the line. Mm-hmm. So, where it gets more personal is okay. Um, that narrative is not going to work. Rather, can we visualize? Let's say, what can we do for the next decade? You know, um, and, and then when we can frame it like that, then it, it clicks, meaning, okay, um, I don't know what it's, what's going to look like in the next, you know, 20, 30 years, but okay, in the next decade, let's call it a 10-year sprint. What needs to get done? You know, do we have a sustainable plan to grow this money and, and, and things like that? So that, right. that to me speaks to my, my, my clients. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you got to give it to them in a frame that they'll understand. And I, I suspect that if you do that 10-year sprint properly, they're going to be doing all the things they needed to get uh, by the time they do the 10 years. And they will be thinking a little more about what happens next and they'll be in better shape be- because of it. Uh, so, all right. So you've been working with Google for 14 years, but it really wasn't until about six years ago, if I remember you correctly, where you kind of really committed, you really jumped in with both feet. Uh, with I don't know if it was Google specific or or big tech, but there was a there was that transition period. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it was um, it was Google specific. Okay, and you know as, as a piggyback to the last question, so I, I presented that narrative to let's 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 call him or her Agent Zero. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you want to do in the next ten years? So you know what's funny is I I have existing uh, Googlers who are at least 10 years senior with our relationship. So when we look back at the you know, conversations we've had, the goals we've, we, we've pursued and so forth, that's where it gets really fun. Because we look back and say, wow, where, where were we 10 years ago? We were having these conversations. We're done with the 10-year sprint. Now let's load up for the next 10 years. What does that look, look, look like? Are we still going to pursue the same goals, things of that nature? So mm-hmm. for me to be involved in that, that's where I can really share that that empathy because together we 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 know what it's like to you know be disciplined, have plans get interrupted, things of that, things of that nature, and and overall we just you know um, strengthen our relationship. So it's it's a whole new ball game now, but with more conviction, more confidence, more familiarity to 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 keep going. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you, you're growing with them, you're experiencing some of the same things they're experiencing. It uh, sounds like there's a lot of natural empathy and, and appreciation for each other. Um, all right. So we have uh, target market, big tech, a little narrower market within that, Google, um, and then the bullseye, which I, I call right fit client, ideal client. 
marketing, they call it persona, avatar, a lot of terms. And I think you can have more than one bullseye in a target. But talk, talk to me about that. What, what does the bullseye for you look like? What are some of the parameters uh, of the types of folks you're hoping to attract within yeah. that target market? I, okay. So, you know, it, and I'm taking my time to really conceptualize this. I, mm-hmm. I think for me, I do my best work when we'll both be of the same investor psychology because I invest myself. So I can, I can really make it a point to relate to what this means when we're you know, looking to not you know, make those luxury purchases, i.e., you know, and, I, and I live in California, so you can make the argument that it's, it, it's smoke and mirrors all day, right? So, so you know, uh, uh, a nice, dare I say, BMW, Mercedes, heck, you know, a, a supercar, that, that might be nice. And maybe on paper, we'll have the financial capacity to, to buy that. But what if we are informed, we take a step back and we say, you know what, that might be nice. But what if we put that money to work? What if we really make it a point to, to curb our spending habits and we can really align, and this, this to me is what, what it's all about. If, if we can really align our quote unquote big whys, right? Why we show up in the first place. And if we can align that to our personal financial decisions, then the feeling, right? Keyword feeling of what we get where instead of buying you know, nice shiny objects, what if that's now associated with, you know what, I'm going to max out, you know, whether it's you know, your pre-tax plan or, or just an after-tax saving strategy. Because even though it's, 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 it's something that, that's not tangible, it's now connected to the bigger picture. And, and then when you're dialed in, when the clients are dialed in, that's where I, I think the magic happens, where now it's like, okay, I, I choose to live this life and I'll live it with you together. And, and that's when you, you really hit the pedal to the metal in terms of driving growth organically. Mm. You mentioned feeling, and then you wanted to kind of emphasize that. Uh, can you speak to that just a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I mean, how quickly does everyone, including me, forget what um, market risk is? So right now, you know, there, there's media headlines and so forth. And, and you know... Um, to associate that with, with percentages, oh, okay, well, yeah, we're down 5%, 6%, what have you. That's, that's fine. But if you want to associate that with, with a dollar amount, let's, let's take a million dollars, you know, 10% down in, in three days, that's, that's 100,000, like gone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not going to feel very good. So you want to you wanna be um, mindful of that because, okay, you know, that's just a feeling. What is now the process to, 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 get past that? What, what are the mantras you have in place so that you acknowledge that as, yeah, that's a feeling that too will pass. And then we're right back at square one. We, we, we know what we can and can control. And then we stick to the fundamentals of financial planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do know that uh, for most people, the, the emotional uh, feeling uh, that they have, uh, I guess that's redundant probably, but <laughs> that most people are more adverse to a, uh, a downward uh, lose, losing $100, right, versus gaining $100. In fact, the studies I've shown is that, uh, let's say if there's an emotional feeling, if we can quantify it at X for earning $100, 
the feeling that the person has around losing $100 is more like 2x or 2.5x. Most humans, um, the, the negative emotion is stronger when they've lost than when they've gained. And you've probably observed that, correct? Correct. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think the way technology has really made the efficiencies that, that weren't there before, it empowers the advisors to, to have those conversations and say you know, something of the sort of, okay, if, if we can agree that these decisions we make are, are, are emotionally influenced, mm-hmm. well, what if we have the right temperament to get past those emotions so that mm-hmm. we can make those sound decisions together? And I, I think like that's that. what makes yeah. all the difference. The right temperament. I like that. Uh, I have uh, uh, several more questions I want to ask you. I want to talk to you about the benefits of a, of a target market that you've chosen. Uh, and I also want to talk to you about the process that you have for bringing your clients, uh, be they Googlers or whomever, into your practice. I think you call it the four, five, six method. I want to talk about that. But first, let's take a very brief pause uh, for a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. It's tough to be seen as an expert if you're spending most of your time as a salesperson. That's why we help industry experts like you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority. We help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. I found an on-demand video-based program that will allow you to learn almost everything I teach related to client acquisition, particularly referrals, introductions, communicating your value, and creating productive relationships with centers of influence. We offer listeners of Top Advisor Podcast a $200 membership fee reduction for our academy. So when you get a minute, head over to thecatesacademy.com. That's katesacademy.com and use the coupon code TCA200 for the Kates Academy, TCA200. Uh, It's all one word and you'll save $200. Don, uh, you told me that you have a step-by-step process that someone will go through to become a client. Uh, You call it the four, five, six method. Can you go through those steps a little bit? Give us a feel for how you attract and bring on your clients. Yeah, I'll be happy to, Bill. Um, so first and foremost, I have to give you know, kudos to my mentor, Adam Holt. He, um, he really helped me you know, hit the floor running in terms of how I wanted to service my niche. And, and that four, five, six process is, is essentially how I present my client's financial plans all in one page, preferably virtual because my clients are busy. And it, it goes something like this. So we will look at the plan together four different ways, a legal frame, a tax frame, an insurance frame, an investment frame. And and I'm going to go back to my philosophy degree, right? In looking at those frames, I'm going to deliberately ask why five times. For example, why are we or are we not buying a long-term care policy? Why are we or are we not funding the mega backdoor Roth? Why are we or are we not putting these assets in a revocable living trust, things like that. Mm-hmm. The, the six comes in where I want to rigorously test a plan against six critical elements that can impact any financial plan. Because I believe that you know, there, there's no such thing as a sound financial plan, but a sound financial process. So you know, 
who's to say that our plan won't get rattled in the event of a liquidity event? What happens if the emergency funds are drained? Right? And I mentioned I live in California, that earthquake insurance, that, that premium isn't easy. I, I don't know if, if we have enough funds in cash to sustain that. So that's, that's, a, long, that's a liquidity risk. Maybe there's a long-term care risk we're not, we're not cognizant of. Do we want to self-fund that? You know, I mean, the co- you know the lump sum cost of something like that is you know upwards of three, maybe four hundred thousand. That that can easily smash all the hard work of uh, of a brokerage account or, or a four hundred one k. Do we want to self insure or do we want to have that conversation? Doesn't make sense to explore buying a long term care policy. Better yet, is that offered through your employer benefits? So maybe next time open enrollment happens, let's look at it together with the same intentionality. That's how. I can, I can deliver that, that process titled four, five, six. All right. So real, real quick, let's go through the, the four, five, six. What are they again? Just kind of give me the headlines of them. And then I got a question around that. Yeah. Four frames, legal, four frames. tax, investment, insurance. Legal, tax, investment, insurance. Four frames. And then five. Five questions. whys. We're, five we're making whys. it a point to ask why at least five times. And then we're doing what I call, or we're doing financial fire drills six times. We're doing it for liquidity, longevity, loss of life, loss of income, long-term care protection, legacy. What did I miss? <laughs> L, legacy. I, I think you got them all. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> it's good. Well, so here's what, what uh, occurs to me as you go through this. This is pretty methodical. Uh, you're working with engineers, right? They, they probably like this approach because it's clear. You can, I know you have a brochure that covers this. You put it in front of them. They, you say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this and we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, we all know that engineers, they read everything. They, they analyze everything, uh, to a pretty big extent. So it must be very appealing to them, this type of process. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. So, and, and, and to your point, so I'm fortunate to work with not only the engineers at Google, but other divisions, be it you know, YouTube, where if they're in creative uh, or, or sales and marketing and so forth. Mm, okay. Um, what, what, the, what the 456 does is it really helps simplify the complexity. So when you make those financial decisions, you're reducing the error of being wrong. And and to your point, it, yeah, it, it is a great way to to you know systematize the financial planning process because the clients can understand that four five six okay so we're gonna look at it four frames we're gonna ask why proactively we're gonna do these financial fire drills periodically maybe once a year but that's the groundwork uh, because something I've I, I've come to realize is it's not enough to ask the clients what are your questions um, sometimes we don't know what those questions are. Mm-hmm. So the four, five, six gives us uh, a real process and framework. And so does this process, I found that with a lot of advisors, if they have a, a good process, uh, one that creates clarity and, and brings about a sense of confidence in knowing we're headed in the right direction and why we're doing it, right? You ask a lot of whys to make sure that we are making the right decisions, that that in and of itself can make you more referable. Absolutely. Right. So a- Absolutely. Yeah, talk talk about that a little bit. Do have people referred you or introduced you be, just because of the process, or is that a big part of it? It is um, even before 
I, you know, to your point, I, I, I memorialized it in a, in a brochure. I saw that my clients were willing to, to be kind enough to introduce me to you know, their team members and so forth within, within you know, big tech and Google. And it wasn't because, you know, probably the, the, the rhetoric of, oh, yeah, you know, portfolios doing this and so forth, you know, you know, things of that nature, but rather, hey, you know what? Um, do you have your, your ducks in order? Because here's Don's process. I'll put it this way. You know, they're not, they're not talking our lingo. They're not saying, yeah, Don does a really good Monte Carlo analysis or, you know, the, the, the standard deviation is off the charts, right? right? It's more like, Hey, yeah, we, we, we were focusing a lot on the investment frame, but we didn't realize we needed to protect our assets from a legal frame, or, you know, we felt pretty good about our retirement planning, but, you know, we did a financial fire drill and suddenly it makes sense that I I better, you know, re-up my life insurance policy when open enrollment comes. So those are the things that that sticks. So then, when you have that story being shared amongst the people you work with, that's when you get that that vote of confidence, and 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 that's where I'm really fortunate to. Uh, and 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 they're using some of your t- terminology, right? They're saying to their colleagues, "We did a financial fire drill," and the, their colleague probably says, "What's that?" Right, which exactly. is good. And so, all right. So the the benefits of targeting a market like this, like not just big tech, but Google. Uh, what are the benefits? What? How have you seen that that it's made client acquisition and or running your business or acquiring more clients better, easier? Uh, that's a long way to ask. What are the benefits of going after a target market? <laughs> yeah. So, so because I, I'm, I'm all in with, with working in big tech or with big tech, and you know, I keep going back and forth, big tech and Google and so forth, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm essentially doing the same process across multiple you know, uh, client households. Okay. So there's, there's my you know, keystone habit right there. So you know, let's quantify it. If I'm if I'm doing reviews periodically, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's semi-annually. That's that's my habit. I'm I'm constantly doing the four, five, six method, and and I'm looking to refine that. So there's there's the hours put in, and it gets easy in terms of knowing what questions to ask and how to really dial in on. Okay, I've seen this fact pattern before. It's just a different personality, different household. Now together, how do we implement this, this previous workflow, this roadmap, so that we can accomplish the goals that might be unique to the household, but in, in the grand scheme of things, everyone hopefully wants to live, work, and retire confidently. Mm. So it's made things more efficient. Now, have you noticed that anybody says to their, their colleagues, they say, you know, he's kind of one of us, or he gets us, or you know, he specializes, focuses on Googlers like us. Have you, have you seen that that's been a benefit of the focus? I feel like I've been given permission to play in their sandbox per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that to me is, 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 is something I'll, I'll always uh, value and respect. So, you know, rather than quote unquote market myself as, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you, I'm, 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 I'm all in for Google. It's more about humbling myself and realizing that I'm, I'm hopefully doing what my peers are doing too. Whether we're serving niche, to, whether we're serving big tech together, we're you know, and, and Bill, you do a great job here. We're making a point to specialize, while you know, financial 
it, the, the financial planning industry is, is you know, morphing every day. Mm-hmm. We want to get really clear on the people we do our best work in. And, and, and the way to do that is to, yeah, dial in on a niche and realize that you know, we're, we're here to, to serve first and, and foremost. Yeah. Who do we serve the best? Uh, who do we do our best work for? Um, and the way I've heard it often said is our clients, in your case, the Googlers, they're the, they're the heroes. You're not the hero, right? They're the heroes. They all want to be the heroes of their own story. And you're the guide. And you get a chance to come in and guide them to help them make the best decisions uh, so they can, again, be the heroes of their own story. Uh, oh, you said it, Bill. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so Bill, I, I have a question. What's your take on our industry for advisors like myself? Mm-hmm. If we choose to have a niche practice, or if we don't, if if, if we remain quote unquote generalists, do do you think there is in fact a competitive advantage to to to, to specialize? The short answer is. Yes, there is an advantage to specializing. And now you say competitive advantage. So that implies that we're competing against other advisors. And in a way we are, but in a way we're not either. There's so much opportunity out there that if you come to the market in the proper way, you really don't have a lot of competition or it's not something you have to worry about too much. What happens though, is when you do focus on a, a very clear target market, that any sense of competition really does start to dissolve. Now, I'm sure there are other financial professionals focusing on Google. I'm sure you're not the only one uh, there, and maybe you haven't met them yet, but they're out there. But there's you know 100,000 Googlers, right? So there's plenty of opportunity there. But what happens, of course, when you focus on a target market is, number one, you know their world better. And because you know their world better, the perceived value that you bring and then the actual real value that you bring are both higher, better, right? You, you start to ask the questions where people start to say, oh, this person has a sense of my world. The big word here is empathy. When we talk about our value, we want our prospects to kind of see themselves in how we talk about what we do and how we tell our story. They want to see themselves in that story and that's what empathy is about. And so when you focus on a target market like you do with Google, then you have you can do that more so than a generalist could be, right? And then the, the longer you stay there, and then the more you see how their benefits package changes and and all the, the nuance of what can happen there, layoffs here and expands and expanding here and relocating there. You, you become so understanding and appreciative of their world, that's empathy, then how you talk about it, and again, the questions you ask, demonstrate that. So that creates that, that attraction. That, that's what gets people attracted to you. The way I, I think about targeting markets like this, like you've done and a few other folks that I've interviewed here on Top Advisor Podcast, is most financial professionals are taught how to prospect. We're taught how to cold call or we're taught how to pursue leads or buy leads, uh, asking for referrals. I'd call that a form of prospecting. It's a high level form. I believe in it. And yet it's still, it's, it's, we're pursuing, right? I call it per, pursuing prospecting versus attracting. 
And so what happens in the target market, like you've done, is you start to build a reputation for yourself. And people will talk about you and, and you can sponsor events. You can write articles for a newsletter. You can speak at events. There's lots of different marketing things that come into play that create the reputation that draws people to you. And then they come to you with their hand raised, right? And say, I've heard good things about you, you know, would love to learn more about you. And that's, isn't that what we all want? Don't we want people to come to us with their hand raised saying, I'm interested, as opposed to us having to pursue them to say, hey, are you interested? Are you interested? Are you interested? So that's, that's uh, so yeah, it, it is an advantage. Now, do you have to target a, a market to be successful in this business? No, there's, there's plenty of people that don't target any kind of market that are very successful in this business. Is it easier when you target a market? Yes. For anyone new in the business, highly recommend you find that target market as quickly as you can. Maybe you don't put all your eggs in one basket right away until you know it's a viable one. But nonetheless, uh, there's no question that you can get to where you want to go faster, generally speaking, when you have a target market. So I appreciate the question and, and your success in this business exemplifies that. Our guest today has been Don Hilario. His firm is Hillpan Moxie. Uh, it's a Boutique, RIA, based in Irvine, sorry, Irvine, California. Now, I just want to say thank you for being our guest on Top Advisor Podcast. Oh, thanks a lot. I had a lot of fun. Really means a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great having you. So if, it, look, guys, if you haven't already, head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources, sign up for our weekly tips, access a ton of free guides, scripts, videos, all kinds of good, good value there. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.